0: In the name of one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Blessed Father's Day today, and blessed Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday is a special day, especially in the lives of the people of this holy place. It is our feast of title, Trinity Sunday, Trinity Cathedral, and this is the Sunday each year when Christians are called to especially dwell on the great mystery of the Christian faith, the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity is arguably the most important doctrine of the church, since it is regarding the very nature of God. It's also one of the most confusing and misunderstood. It is a wonderful opportunity to accidentally preach heresy. It's also a great time for priests to clear up misconceptions among the flock about who and what is the nature of the triune God. I have been disappointed more than once, and you probably have as well, to hear Trinitarian heresies preached from the pulpit by well-meaning clergy on Trinity Sunday, so much so that some refer to it as Heresy Sunday. It has a ring, doesn't it? Heresy Sunday. And as I was preparing to preach this morning, my mind wandered down the pathway to hell through the forest of isms. I mean, the Trinity is really three different persons or three different modes of the Godhead, right? You've got Father and Son and Holy Spirit, different modes of God's self revelation, right? No. That's modalism. And it certainly simplifies things, but it's also wrong. The Orthodox teaching is that all three persons of the Trinity exist. Eternally and concurrently. So they always are and always have been. The persons are not just different jobs or forms that God has. And stemming from that, always is that God the Father suffered just as the Son, right? No. That is patripassionism. But then wait. We confess, right, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as three independent divine beings. We believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. Three separate gods who share the same substance. Yeah, no. That's tritheism. And it's a heresy. Well, Christ was the first and the greatest of God's creatures, right? But denied his fully divine status, right? No. That's Arianism. And that's a controversy of major importance in the development of the church when in the fourth century it was addressed definitively in the Nicene Creed. But wait, there's more. Jesus Christ as a purely divine being who only had the appearance of being human? Docetism. Jesus was endowed and particularly had charismatic gifts which distinguished him from other human beings, but nonetheless regarded him as a purely human figure? No. That is heresy as well. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit This one has to be right together components of one god so each is of the trinity but only when they're together no that's partialism and the last one in the trinitarian dogma god is one sounds good good true beautiful because he's essentially love and love supposes the one the other and the unity that's a great one, and it is correct, but it is plagiarism. <laughs> so, while not necessarily a heresy, isn't the Trinity actually two whos and a what? Actually, no, we don't even need to look at that. Look, I have heard most of them, and I have sadly, at one time or another, preached s- most of them, only being told in the handshake line that I am a heretic and left wondering, dear God, God of, God of the same divine substance, did I really say that? We believe in one God, we believe in one God, we believe in one God. And there are enough analogies and metaphors to fill up the next 15 minutes, Right? You got a man and a woman, they act as one person's employee, but another person's spouse and another person's father or mother. We've got the Trinity as the apple, we've got the flesh, we've got the seeds, we've got the skin. Trinity as a dance, this is nice for Father's Day, Trinity is a dance between a mother and son at the son's wedding while the son's new spouse watches on. Water, ice, steam, H2O, holy math, one God plus one God plus one God is how many gods? One God times one God times one God, if we're going to go into math, one God. Three-leaf clovers, eggs, albumen, yolk, shell, right? Turducken, turkey, chicken, duck. (laughs) They all miss the mark when it comes to calm unity, being inextricably connected forever. To be perfectly honest, until I was called to seminary, I really never gave the doctrine of the Trinity much thought. I mean, I knew what Trinity was. My sponsoring parish was Holy Trinity. And my first year at this fine seed planting institution of Virginia Theological Seminary, but I must say, before I learned anything about preaching, my sponsoring priest asked me, or what I like to say, shamed me, into coming home and preaching the Trinity to show us what we're getting for our money. Poking fun at my ignorance while explaining to me the Trinity is not something that you figure out. Well, during seminary, I preached back-to-back Trinity Sundays, just beginning to understand that Trinity Sunday is generally the least desirable preaching Sunday of the church here. And after seminary, six years a rector, and then Arizona, and then Trinity, Trinity, Trinity. Or perhaps better said, holy, holy, holy Lord, God Almighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Which leaves us ten minutes in and still with no clarity, so welcome to Inside My Head. It's hard to wrap up the doctrine of the Trinity in a 15-minute or shorter sermon, or please, for the love of God, maybe 10 minutes or less. Sorry, folks. So, what then? What to preach for Trinity Sunday? You know, one of the best articulations of the doctrine of the Trinity is the Athanasian Creed. And though named after the great 4th century defender, of Trinitarian orthodoxy and a hero of the faith, St. Athanasius, most scholars today believe the creed was written a few centuries after his death. But regardless of who wrote it, it's clear and it is a thorough profession of the faith that has been approved and used by the church for more than a millennium. For about a dozen years, I've had ongoing email exchanges with a group of seminary colleagues on this specific Sunday, and the exchanges always start with this question. You're not actually going to recite the entire creed of St. Athanasius to an Episcopal congregation on a Sunday morning, are you? Co-eternal God of all that is and ever shall be, world without end, that's exegetical and homiletical suicide, man. The brunchers will hate you. The newcomers will think you're crazy. Well, so be it. And if you'd like to join me, it begins on page 864 of the historical documents of the Episcopal Church in our Book of Common Prayer. It only adds about five minutes, but the hymns were short, and so were the readings. So here it is. Whosoever will be saved before all things, it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith, which faith except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt he shall perish everlastingly. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreate, the Son uncreate, and the Holy Ghost uncreate. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible. The holy ghost incomprehensible the father eternal the son eternal and the holy ghost eternal and yet they are not three eternals but one eternal as also there are not three incomprehensibles nor three uncreated nor one uncreated and one incomprehensible so likewise the father is almighty the son is almighty and the holy ghost almighty and yet They are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is the Son, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God, and yet they are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son Lord, and the Holy Ghost Lord, and yet not three lords, but one Lord. For like as we are compelled by the Christian verity to acknowledge every person by himself to be both God and Lord, so are we forbidden by the Catholic religion to say there be three gods, or three lords Whew. the father is made of none neither created nor begotten the son is the father alone not made nor created nor begotten the Holy Ghost is of the father and of the son neither made nor created nor begotten but proceeding so there is one father not three fathers one son not three sons one Holy Ghost not three Holy Ghosts. and then this Trinity none is a fore and after other none is greater or less than another but the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal, so that in all things, as is aforesaid, the unity in trinity and the trinity in unity is to be worshipped. He, therefore, that will be saved, is, must think thus of the trinity. <sighs> Furthermore, it is necessary to everlasting salvation that he also believe rightly, the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man, God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the world, and man of the substance of his mother, born in the world. Perfect God and perfect man of a reasonable soul and human flesh subsisting, equal to the Father as touching his Godhead and inferior to the Father as touching his manhood. Who, although he be God and man, yet he is not two but one Christ, one not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking of the manhood into God, one altogether, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of persons. Believe it or not, there are folks here who read this as children in this very church. For as the reasonable soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead. He ascended into heaven, he sitteth at the right hand of the Father God Almighty, from whom whence he will come to judge the quick and the dead at whose coming all men will rise again with their bodies and shall give account for their own works. And they that have done good shall go into life everlasting, and they that have done evil into everlasting fire. This is the Catholic faith, which except a man believe faithfully, he cannot be saved. All of this to say that I'm about the least qualified person to preach about the Trinity. But I volunteered for this gig, not to worry. The dean will rejoin us next Sunday. Summer respite. Honestly, I don't feel the need to look as far as the produce aisle, or the water bubbler, or a dance floor, or my first grade math class to look for an illustration of the Trinity. I just need to look at families, and specifically at this family. You know, when I first was changed into a priest, in some ways, I was expected to do all things for all people, at least at first, at least I thought. Sometimes I was nourishment, sometimes shelter, sometimes safety. Sometimes I was Kleenex, sometimes furniture or music or comfort or transportation. And for a while that worked, planning out my day with very specific detail and achieving everything that needs to happen to all of those things for all of those people. And it didn't take long to realize that I couldn't be all things to all people. And the facade broke down, and I I started to feel that I needed to have someone be all things for me. And I needed more than the humans around me. Helpful as they were, helpful as you are, you failed, they failed. And I feel this in my bones and where I am in my station in my life and my particular circumstances. But I don't doubt that every one of us has felt this way at some point or another, just trying to keep it together, trying to do all things. I know there are many people right here in our midst who feel this way right now, having to be all things for your children, for your grandchildren, for your parents, your coworkers, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of divorce, in death, in parents lying in hospital beds, in new diagnoses. I know that. And even the most well-prepared of us can't live up to those expectations. You know, the much maligned doctrine of the Trinity is an assertion that appearances to the contrary notwithstanding, there's only one God. For all of us, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit means That this mystery that is beyond us, this mystery that is among us, and this mystery that is within us is the same mystery. Thus, the Trinity is a way of saying something about us and the way we experience God. The Trinity is a way of saying something about God and God's inner nature. And that is that God doesn't need us. And God doesn't need our creation in order to have something or someone to love. Because within God's being, love happens. Perfect love is because God is. And if the idea of God is both three and one seems far-fetched or obfuscating to you, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror and look around you. In the mirror, there is this interior life that is known to you alone. And those to whom you choose to communicate, the Father. There's the visible face, which in some measure reflects that inner life, the Son. And there is this invisible power you have that enables you to communicate that interior life in such a way that others do not merely know about it, but they know it in the sense of becoming part of who they are, the Holy Spirit. That last one's important. There's a difference in knowing about me and knowing me. There's a depth to that. Yet what you look at in the mirror is clearly and indivisibly the one and only you. You know Trinity Sunday coincides with Father's Day this year and we don't have to read very much the Bible to know all about the perfect fathers. I mean, Father Abraham, he didn't even have time to polish off his father of the year trophy when he went up that mountain with Isaac. Jairus knew he couldn't do everything alone when he sought out Jesus to heal his daughter. No one is enough, none of us. And the good news is that God is all things God is all things and continues to be all things perfectly, even when our needs become overwhelming and unmanageable. And the other good news is that there are people right here in our midst who have spent 40, 50, 60 plus years in this place in calm unity with the Trinity and with God. Look to them; they'll tell you about the Trinity. God is merciful and mighty, without compare. There is none beside thee. We're not designed to fully understand it. Though the sinful human eye thy glory may not see, and even though we don't understand and can't see, we know without a doubt that God is perfect in power, in love, and purity. I am perfect in none of those And I am grateful that I don't have to fully understand Trinitarian doctrine to be the recipient of that love and mercy, and that perfect mercy and power extends deep enough to catch my inability to be all things and high enough to meet my pride in thinking that I can be everything.